Okay, so hopefully we're not on Zoom this week, so there won't be any lag, right? Yeah. <laughs> of all the like, I thought it was a really good episode, actually. Yeah. Of all the first <laughs> jokes you made when we've like started recording the podcast, that's the worst one. Yeah, pretty terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll keep it in anyway. Well, I think exactly what happened was my brain right before I like as in seconds before I clicked the button went, "Oh shit! I didn't prepare an opening," and that's just what came out of my mouth. <laughs> that's why I prepare things. <clears throat> anyway guys, welcome to Lynn Sebastian, I'm a Simpsons podcast The podcast myself and Sebastian here do to showcase our mutual male love for one another But like welcome, totally hetero, like you know, just two two guys who like are really close friends Yeah. Well, yeah. Welcome back to the Dylan and Seb have a Simpsons podcast The podcast where Dylan and Seb have a Simpsons podcast <laughs> <laughs> In this podcast we talk about the Simpsons through the medium of podcasts My name is Dylan and this guy's name is Sebastian Greetings uh, in, in case any of that wasn't clear <laughs> Good thing we got that all out there. <laughs> Today we're going to be reviewing a Portrait of a Lackey on Fire, which is the eighth episode of the 33rd season. Um, do you know what a lackey is? Lackey? I mean, yeah. I've heard the word, but... I, oh, I had no idea. I, I had to look it up. And this is a very a, a current pun on a title, uh, isn't it? Portrait that... of a Lady on Fire? Is that what it's a pun on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's like that a movie recent, or a novel? That was recent. I think it's both, actually. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, true. Very A recent name, but also the, but the word lackey is very old-fashioned. I, I looked it up. Yeah. It's a Victorian English term for like a servant or a butler, okay. obviously referring to Smithers. And it's like used most commonly, most well-known like Pride and Prejudice and Wuthering Heights and stuff like that. I had to look it up. I was like, what the hell is a lackey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, we opened up. We got a couch gag this time. It's actually one we've already seen before. I don't know if it's... That's what I thought. Yeah. I was watching it. Uh, it was, was like, with you. I, I okay. haven't clicked the same episode as before. Yeah, I? yeah. Like... It, 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 it's reused a couch gag. It's, it's a really good one, to be fair. Um, do, do they normally do that? They've done that before. They've done it before. They've done, it before. Okay. They've done it loads, yeah. I'm not really a fan of that. No, they've done the early seasons as well. Like, do that circus one? That one was used oh, yeah. a bunch. <laughs> yeah, no, they've done it before. About the circus one, did... Yeah. You know the Family Guy opening? Is that like a reference to that, do you think? How in all that? my years of watching both of those shows have I never registered that? I wouldn't be surprised if it was like, you know, homage or inspired by mm. it. That makes perfect sense, yeah. But um, I've honestly never thought about that. That's a very good observation. Um, but yeah, it's the same one. I'm pretty sure... I didn't look this up, but I'm pretty sure it was used in the... In the Burger King one, the the, the vegan burger episode. This is that one? Okay. I'm pretty certain it's it's the one with the potatoes. It's a really really well made couch gag. Um, it's like a guy uses a, it's it's a real life YouTuber who made it. He like uses a potato to make Homer's face, and he like puts black paint in a bunch of potatoes and plants it on the table, and it, like forms the family's face. It's a nice little little couch gag. I, I had nothing against seeing it again. Yeah. But then we jump into the episode. We open up on Burns' manor. Um, we pan over to Hound's quarters. And uh, Mr. Burns is awaiting the arrival of uh, new puppies. Uh, the eight litter from the dog ascended by Friedrich Doberman III. And this is just like, this is just classic <laughs> Mr. Burns. You know. Like this is, you, you already know where this was going. With eight puppies arriving at Mr. Burns' plate. Like, I know. What's going to happen? Eight here? hounds, yeah. like, yeah. And of course, the two people you would expect to get involved in this little <laughs> shenanigan of his are, you know, predictable. Um, but in, in a good way, Smithers uh, informs him that there's uh, four boys, three girls, and one <laughs> would rather not be labelled yet. Um, and since, uh, Sm- since Smithers made a mess of the dummies, Burns ordered a new dummy. <laughs> Horror shows up and he's like, uh, you said there was a taco truck? <laughs> Which is 
I would love to have seen the scene where Burns oh, yeah. calls him and tells him there's a taco truck in his mansion in the middle of the night. But it's good because you can just imagine. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's even funnier, yeah. But it's, I just love the... It's clearly late at night and Homer's turning up in the mansion looking for a taco truck. And just before we, we continue, yeah. it's probably good to mention we both had a donut before we started recording That's again. That's true. Yeah, which was the exact same. Always on brand. Always on brand for our Simpsons, very loyal. <laughs> and you had, you had like a classic Lay's one as well, so like I pretty did. similar to... Very, it had a pink bits on it, so it's similar to Homer's. To what Homer would eat, yeah, totally. And uh, making, making the Simpsons fans proud. But um, Smithers thinks that executive dog sitter is all he'll ever be to Burns, and Homer says that not feeling appreciated is a horrible feeling, as he gets bitten by the dogs that are... Uh, but with their much sharper baby teeth. Um, you see, yeah, basically, yeah, like, Burns has brought him on, without asking his consent, to be the test dummies for these dogs, to train them to go on to become hounds, um, as in, like, guard dogs. We then get a montage of um, Homer, like, punching in. As soon as he punched in, the dogs start biting him. Um, Marge removing his wounds and awing at his loose tooth or at the loose tooth of the dog found on Homer, and um, him getting bitten by the dogs at Bob's retirement party. Um, and we now see that they're all old enough, and Burns is, you know, a bit of time has passed. Burns is ready to uh, dole them off to his wealthy friends that need watchdogs. Um, he then sees that he got, a, he got sent a peculiar set of wooden pieces from Warren Buffett. Sorry, that's a puzzle. <laughs> It certainly is a puzzle. What is game sending me these misshapen bits? I I, I knew you would love this little side <laughs> story. <laughs> it is very very funny. <laughs> um, but he's like, yeah, it certainly is a puzzle. What's this game here? And Smithers is like, it's a thing people do uh, together. Perhaps uh, you and I could. And he's like, don't assume familiarity, Smithers. <laughs> and he walks away with his puzzle, and um, Homer overhears Smithers like whimpering like next to the puppies and um, he urges him to go out and find the fella saying that he has it going on with his glasses and his bow tie and his nasally voice <laughs> and Smithers says that the dating apps are all uh, gays not looking to commit or um, straight guys that are curious <laughs> a little clip of Dis- Disco Shoe on the app going like Disco Shoe is hetero-flexible another Disco Shoe this is like an unusual amount of disco. I know, yeah, in, in recent episodes, that's for sure. But him being heteroflexible makes sense. Yeah. Him being like not fully committed to being bi, but just just curious. And we know he's alive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Mr. Burns, yeah. the very first person in this episode, so I mean, pretty much confirms that Sirius Landers was, you know, mm-hmm. like like a treehouse of horror. It, it, it didn't it didn't count, but um, Homer finds uh, the 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 perfect guy going through the app, and Smith is like, "That's me." And Homer's like, oh, sorry, it was a much younger photo. <laughs> Which is, like, absolutely a thing people do with those dating websites. Oh, yeah. It's photos of them from, like, fucking five, six years mm-hmm. ago. And it's like, who are you kidding? Especially guys. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. We don't, we don't take enough pictures of ourselves. So it's always, like, a really good one, but from, like, two or <laughs> I know, yeah, ago. yeah. Like, I looked so good in that. I know I'm 16, but I look pretty much the same. Even <laughs> though I didn't have proper facial hair, I still look better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely in the night. <laughs> Even though I'm not actually legal. You can't legally date me yet in that photo. I still look good, and so it's going to be my profile. <laughs> but Spears says he just wants someone to love him unconditionally, and Homer says, "Well, the problem there is the conditions." Um, but um, oh yeah, but, but Burns starts complaining that he can't sell one of his hounds for being too sweet. <laughs> he says, "You bring shame to the very idea of inbreeding." <laughs> 
which is such a weird so detail. <laughs> yeah, amazing. <laughs> so this character called uh, Michael DeGraff shows up, um, interested in buying the dog, and he makes a joke that sniffing that a sniffing drooly mutt would remind him of his ex-boyfriend. And Homer, in his head, overhears this and goes, his ex-girlfriend is a boy? <laughs> and he says it out loud. Your ex-girlfriend is a boy? And he looks really proud of the fact that he said it. <laughs> uh, he introduces Michael to Smithers, who was immediately smitten. Um, and, like, you know, he, he pitches a dog to him being like, you'll have to feed the pet and love it. It's high maintenance, but has a big heart. He's clearly actually talking about him, but pretending it's about the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ends up taking the dog and asking Smithers out on a date. So he takes him to Luigi's. Um, and he immediately says that he loves Michael DeRef is a is a fashion designer, by the way, which will obviously be an important detail shortly. Um, but he says he loves the Italian stereotypes in the restaurant and the problematic murals. And the mural is like of a troll chasing after a woman. Yeah, <laughs> like absolutely problematic. Um, and then Luigi says that uh, for a handsome couple like them, he um, can chip. Change the salt and pepper to pepper and pepper. And Luigi's mother starts shouting profanities in Italian. So we don't know what she's saying. And Luigi's like, Mom, no, God loves everyone. What about Uncle Hector and his roommate we always brings to Easter supper? <laughs> um, we then cut to Smithers and Michael watching over the Springfield squid port. Um, and looking at the teenagers blow their laser torches in the air which is the reason why planes won't go near them anymore <laughs> just like so many laser torches up in the sky um and smitter says it's a shame that he's leaving tomorrow but michael says that he's not as it would be hard to fall in love with him from milan um just as, I'll, I'll say that in my review shortly as well but i, I just love that like smitter's is obviously it's, gay yeah and he's out and proud and like he has a boy from this episode but it's not, not it's not ever about that yeah you know what i mean not being sort of like it was always funny that it was hidden between like subliminally but yeah i like that they've just they progress saying anything have just been like they're, yeah they progress it i also i like that they progress it but it's also still the mr burns has no idea yeah <laughs> that's pretty perfect like, i like the fact that like even homer knows <laughs> i know yeah like, one of the stupidest people yeah. in that town but mr burns is completely oblivious <laughs> But um, yeah. So they they start kissing. They cut to Homer in the in the bar, and he's like just kind of glowering, um, and letting Carol like, "What's up?" And he says he he knows that his setup works, and that he's a gay matchmaking god. And then he's like, "What about some straight matchmaking for us?" <laughs> I'm a god, not a miracle worker. Homer walks into the kitchen, and he's like freaking out over the phone as Spinner tells him that uh, Michael referred to him as his boyfriend on his Instagram and shared um, the gay couple emoji. And Marge overhears all this and like near, needs, needs to find out about everything. She like follows Homer to the car. Um, I love that Homer's like acting. He's being very, so coy like, about, it. about it. Yeah, yeah, like ooh, he's just so proud. He set a couple up. Um, <laughs> After finding out that it's Michael DeGraff, we find out that he was a judge from marriage. We find out that he was a judge on America's Got Fabric seasons 10 through 15. I love that specific detail. And that he was famous for his zingers. The best one, the little clips they showed being him being like, um, that outfit is so sex in the city. If there was no sex in the city, it was Milwaukee. <laughs> and then marriage is like, oh, their fashion sense is awful in Milwaukee. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and then Homer moves to the other car like Marge's car and Marge follows him there um, saying that she has to meet him and Homer says um, they can when they're back from their trip he moves over to the bench and Marge follows him there as well and he just says that he's uh, a gay matchmaking god and on 
<laughs> unless they go on forever, he'll eventually just throw his phone away and ignore the fact that, they, that he ever set anybody up. And we then cut to Smithers and Michael on some sort of sun holiday. Um, and between the sunset and the turquoise water, Smithers says that the only way it could get better is if Christine Baranski showed up singing Dancing Queen. I didn't look this up, I presume that was the real Christine Baranski from ABBA. I assume so, yeah. It must have been kind of cringy. It sounded like it. Yeah, kind of cringy. The only moment that I kind of went, mm, Ash, you know, it, just, it was a very unnecessary cameo, if it really was her. I suppose, yeah. It was yeah, It was whatever. Um, it seemed very forced. Yeah, her line was funny, but her singing it was really strange. <laughs> it, it just felt, it felt odd because it was like, did we really need this? Yeah, exactly. It was so... It never comes back. It, it was yeah. very unnecessary. And it, I, I didn't it felt like, like they just managed to get her. So we're like, all right, let's... let's yeah, how can we work her here. into the episode yeah. very vaguely? But yeah, and then Smithers is like, how much of that costs? And Michael's like, less than you might think. <laughs> Which I wonder is a commentary on how much it actually costs <laughs> to get her on the show. Her one little line was funny, where she, she leaves to help a, fight, a 15-year-old come out to her parents. Uh, we then cut to Smithers going into Burns' office. He apologizes to Mr. Burns for not being around at the weekend or the weekend before that. But Burns says that he didn't even he didn't even know because he was too caught up trying to score what these what these pieces do, and he realized that they interlock. <laughs> and then again, Smithers is like, "It's a puzzle, and then not for long with Monty Burns on the case." <laughs> Now I'll just have to weigh each piece. <laughs> He's just weighing them all oh my God. individually. <laughs> Mr. Burns so is like Homer level on this episode. I know, yeah, <laughs> just incredibly stupid. That's so true. Mr. Burns is stupider than Homer in this episode. It's <laughs> He <laughs> know what a puzzle is. It's so funny. Um, he, he then leaves the building, Smithers, and he runs into Marge. Um, and he's like, what are you doing at the executive parking lot? And she's like, who cares? How's Michael DeGraff? And uh, he says that he's charming. He treats him like an equal and didn't trap door a group of Girl Scouts for not having, for being out of tin mints. <laughs> uh, and Smithers says that they should have a, a get together sometime. And Marge is like, you know, I'd be part of your couple origin. I'm in. We then cut to a barbecue at the house. Uh, we see that Julio is so happy for him, and he, he breaks a wine glass as he's saying it into his ha- into his hands. Um, and then Michael like just starts making comments on all the women's outfit choices. He says that Helen Lovejoy looks like she was from the Crucible. Uh, he tells Mrs. Hibbers, uh, Linda Hibbers, that uh, her shoulder pads looked good in the nineties. And then Lenny's like, the best part, Lenny's like, what about my top? And it cuts over to Carol, just like waving at Michael. He's like, oh, he seems nice. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very funny. Um, Then Sitters asks Marge when she knew Homer was the one. And Marge is like, when he got got me pregnant, I just knew he was a man I was going to have kids with. (laughs) And Homer's... And he takes that. It horrors at all. He's like, oh, yeah. he gives her a kiss and everything. Like, it's so sweet. <laughs> um, and then he, he goes over, Michael goes over to Lisa and says he likes Lisa's uh, quirky zigzag style, but bet he could make it better. And um, she says, she goes on like a big tangent saying that she, you know, she personally wears the same clothes every day so she can focus on more important matters. And while she's going on this big tangent, he's like grabbing like a kitchen or what do you call it? Like the, the kitchen tablecloth and like make it into a part of her dress and stuff like that. And eventually she notices and she's like, Did you make me taller? I feel so confident. I don't even have a job, but I'm going to go ask for a raise. Uh, and then Michael like announces to all, all of Springfield that he plans to move his retail outlet into the building that used to make fidget spinners. <laughs> Just... Oh my God. 
This is Alice. my favourite one line so of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> they really, when when the writer wrote this, I knew he was laughing in his G- head. Giving himself a pat on the yeah. back, yeah. <laughs> Literally just called Super Tail Dramas going, Spinners! <laughs> I actually laughed out loud at that. Oh, thing. genuinely. Just so stupid, but like in the best <laughs> yeah. way possible. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> um, he then says that applications to sign up are right next to the best potato salad he, he's ever tasted. And that makes marriage go, oh, and like her hair goes down, like in awe, <laughs> as he said that. Um, and then cut over to Luigi's mom, who confessed to Luigi that she wasn't happy for them because she likes women. <laughs> and like Luigi's really happy for her and she goes on like a tangent about how she used to have a pillow that she would put photos of Italian supermodels on and Luigi interrupts her like mom that's too much information <laughs> so funny um, we then cut to um, Homer, Bart and Lisa in the car just driving um, Bart and Lisa ask Homer if he knows anyone working at Michael's new factory and Homer's like, oh, he hired all the deadbeats who've been um, unemployed forever. So, yeah, I'm friends with all of them. <laughs> then cut to them in the factory. Barney's, like, showing them that this week's trend is glitter on sunglasses and that all the excess glitter go- gets um, goes through the chimneys to get de-glittered. And I really liked... I know it was supposed to look, like, horrible, like, oh, what's this factory doing to the world? But the animation was so cool. Yeah. Oh, like, what they did with, like, all these, like, trendy fashion stuff, like... Polluting the planet. It was like really yeah. inventive animation. I love it. I like it. that it got um like really progressively more black and white as well. Yeah, yeah, like, with the plaid cool and everything. Little... I really dug it. Yeah. Um, we then curl up to Gil being like, "Hey, look at me! I'm a working stiff, very stiff. These standards are giving me a condition my doctor calls living rigor mortis." And he, like he literally can't move his hands, and he like falls into like a like a, a pit of plaid yeah. paint. <laughs> yeah, it was just cool little like. Animations like that, I, I thought it looked really cool. Uh, Lisa says that this is a, a danger to humanity and that the ocean is now 10% spandex. And Homer's like, well, at least like the the earth will f- uh, crumble to pieces like in, in comfort. And we didn't see a sign saying environmental complaints are so avant or are so not avant gorgeous. And uh, Homer is upset to realize it's revealed here, obviously, that he's an evil man. Homer is upset to realize that he's not a gay matchmaking god. It was like, oh, the humanity being doomed stuff is, is terrible too. <laughs> um, then Homer like sh- shows Smithers that he that Michael made Lake Springfield plaid, and like, yeah, the entire lake is just plaid now. That the very same lake that he destroyed in the Simpsons movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Funnily enough, I I, I thought about. Um, and uh, Smithers re- knows who he has to go to now. Um, he goes back to Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns says he, he figured it out that the pieces form an image. <laughs> We're like approaching the end of the episode the, now. Yeah, that's the progress this, we've made. This is his whole arc in the episode. And it's like there's only one piece missing. Yeah. And he still doesn't know what it is. Yeah, it's clearly a hot air balloon. It's so funny. They make an image. And uh, Smithers tells Burns about his new boyfriend. And Mr. Burns is like, oh, who's the lucky lady? And like, man. And uh, what's her, his name? Uh, Michael. Ah, Michelle. <laughs> that was a great little bit. Oh, that was brilliantly yeah. written. Especially considering that 
Mr. Prince's voice, Mr. Prince's fingers are both voiced by Harry Shearer. Yeah. Like, that is very impressive. Yeah. That very quick back and forth. Absolutely brilliantly done. I mean, it surely could, took a couple of takes, but, like, it turned out so good. But, yeah, uh, when, when he finds out that it's Michael DeGraff, Mr. Prince urges Smithers to marry him. And he's like, so what if you have to pretend to be gay? He's a genius. Uh, he then shows Smithers um, Michael's denim fire, just, just burning denim for no reason. And he says that while nuclear power brings warmth, Michael has managed to profit off something that no one needs and praises him for killing Blinky. <laughs> like the three out the yeah. three out fish uh, the, the pollution that Michael has caused has managed to kill Blinky and he's like Ooh. our toxins may have created the three eyed fish but we never managed to kill it you've got yourself one hell of a guy don't let him slip away we, we see like basically like, like a, a Chernobyl type of event is happening but it's all like gorgeous colorful glitter and plaid and stuff is happening like while this destruction is happening across Springfield and Smithers is in his car watching it being like I always thought my horrible boss would cause the Chernobyl of Springfield not my perfect boyfriend and we see like a, a military de- jet being shot down from laundry this is a really like it's hard to describe it but it's like you have to see it's, it's just a really a beautifully animated sequence is, yeah. you could tell the animators particularly the second half of this episode had loads of fun like playing with the animation here we then cut the smithers uh running into michael he tells him that he's not who he thought he was and michael's like really because it seems to me like you have a type and i actually i didn't click until he said that line that's uh, so clever what they did is that he fell for someone who is an evil corrupt billionaire just like mr burns it's very true you know what i mean yeah yeah i never quite clicked to it but like of course, that was that's who Smithers would fall for, even though he didn't realize it. It's yeah. someone who is actually like Mr. Burns, just not quite as upfront about it. Yeah, at least Mr. Burns doesn't hide it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very, you know, apparently evil, whereas this guy was very, very sneaky. Yeah, but he tells Smithers that he like that Smithers deserves Paris and Milan, or at the very least, a town with a Chipotle. And Smithers gives in, and they cheers to a glass of wine, and he um, urges to turn a blind eye to all that is wrong with him to all that's wrong with Michael like but then the puppy that he adopted earlier on in the episode accidentally spill, spills wine on Michael and Michael's like you idiot these are made from shredded Picassos and he kicks the dog and that's like the the, the final line for, for Smithers he breaks it off um, but he says that he's he's grateful to have found someone to come home to who would love him unconditionally and that being the dog which is a little corny but I didn't care I thought it was quite oh, sweet yeah, yeah no I thought it was quite sweet that, that like he that ended up being the love that he found at the end of the episode. That they had it wasn't the traditional happy ending arc he would want, but that almost made yeah, it he nicer. Still gained something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That actually made it nicer. That it wasn't typical. Like oh, everything works out between him and Michael. It's just he he gets a dog that loves him, and he loves the dog too. I I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, and then final the brilliant final tag is just. Um, yeah, Burns saying that he finally solved it, and it's a it's a hot air balloon. And Smithers points out that it was on the box, <laughs> and Mister Burns is like, "What? That would have saved me weeks." Oh well, now I can get back to uh, crushing unions, uh, polluting the air, and garbaging the, the Pacific. And then Smithers like pushes a harder one hundred piece puzzle onto him, where uh, two of the unicorns are pretty similar. And great final line is just clear my candle, lock the door. Turn up the Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Wagner, Wagner starts playing as he starts his new puzzle. <laughs> he thinks it's like, it's evil. Like he's going to yeah. crack an evil plan by yeah. finishing this puzzle. It's totally being distracted. This puzzle was like a cryptic message from yeah. someone. <laughs> 
<laughs> wasted all this time, then immediately a new puzzle is thrown at him, and he's like, oh, a new challenge. <laughs> I love this. A great little... Because, like, the, the, the main plot wasn't serious, but, like, you know, it had, like, LGBT stuff that can be, can, can be, can be kind of heavy, and then, like, the, the the message about, you know, polluting the earth and stuff like that, kind of heavy. They're like, it was great to have a little side story that was completely just for gags. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was no... They had to have something, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There was no, like, actual depth to it whatsoever. It's just Mr. Burns trying to figure out what a puzzle is. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. It goes on too long, and that's what makes it even better. Yeah, You exactly. know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that concludes the episode. Uh, final, final feelings? Yeah, um... This has given me a, like a new hope. Yeah, yeah. Um, like Star Wars. Like, it's, <laughs> of course, it's given me a new hope to this season. Um, nice. I wish there's gonna. I, I hope there's more like this. Mm. I thought it was really good. I think you just mentioned at the end. Mm. They did a perfect mix of yeah. like doing tackling, not tackling, but like yeah, talking about current issues. Yeah, but. In a very like um, Simpsons way, it's not preachy yeah. or on the nose, and it or didn't anything. and it didn't feel like they were forcing it either. No, no, it just happened to be in the episode. You know, I think this is quite an important step in Simpsons, and like it, yeah, totally. But again, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like oh, no, you know, yeah. they're doing an, an episode that is like you know clearly very LGBT friendly to gain that audience or something. Like it just there's it, been episodes we've it watched just made sense. Of the past two seasons, that felt very a little forced, bit more, it? yeah, yeah, on the nose. But, like they were trying to even Lisa's belly, a recent episode, yeah, was kind of an example of that, yeah. where the message was too preaching, too heavy-handed, whereas it was it was done perfectly here. I I, I really and, felt and it was tastefully. just funny, yeah, like totally. it was really it was funny episode, gag heavy, yeah, like and it had that perfect mix of like being quite emotional and funny as well, totally. Like the characters weren't really too ignorant, no, like. And I found myself actually laughing. And, yeah. and I, I find The Simpsons funny, mm. but it's rare in the newer ones that I'm like sitting there and like actually laughing. Physically I, laughing, I, I, sure. I openly laughed at this episode. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah there was some really, really um, funny moments. I thought it was like, it was, wasn't was too short or too long as well. It's mm. also been a problem. was pretty solid, yeah. Had, like, mm. that it feels rushed and stuff. The story came to a complete ending in yeah. a perfect amount of time, mm. um, and I really enjoyed it. So for me, it's uh, seven point five. That wow! Yeah. I was I was always saying last week that like that was like serious Flanders part two was probably like, our, our biggest disagreement ever. This might have been the closest we've ever linked up but in, yeah. in a while. Anyway, I also gave seven point five. Oh sweet! <laughs> yeah, very I, specific. Yeah, yeah, seven point five. Like yeah. yeah, I said it was a well-told story of two gay men. I love that it wasn't about them being gay; they just were. Uh, I said Smithers has a great, um, albeit tragic, art in this episode. Um, it was interesting to see him take the spotlight in an episode where Burns isn't really an important role. I said him falling in love with a man who ended up being evil was upsetting, but also made too much sense. <laughs> I said, after the massive tonal shift of Serious Flanders, uh, it felt good to be back to an episode with a gag a minute old-fashioned Simpsons style to it. And yeah, yeah, as I said, 7.5 out of 10. Yeah, it was a really enjoyable yeah. episode. Yeah, it was funny. the first time I watched it. Like before, I watched it like kind of with the podcast in mind. I was a bit disappointed by it because um, there's a piece of trivia I'll get to in a moment. But like, it was written by Rob Lazenby, who's a longtime writer on, on, on The Simpsons, and his son Johnny, who um, who was gay in real life. 
So when I heard about that, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a really sweet episode, like with a really important message shoot. So then when, when it didn't have that, when I first watched it, I was kind of let down by that. But then uh, upon watching it twice for this podcast, so I'm like now three times all together, I realized it's actually even better that it didn't have that message. That yeah. It, that it's just that they well, happen to it be shows gay. That you, they don't it's, have it's to. It's so much more mature yeah. that way. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of like, um, I, I love when shows and like films do this where like, because we are at this stage now in in real life where it shouldn't we shouldn't have to no just because it shouldn't they, always have to be a movie because, like milk or yeah you know movies that are about which is a great film game. no of course but like we should have more stories I, where the reason i liked it so much was because they were gay but it wasn't about that yeah it wasn't oh they're doing gay things they're mm-hmm. doing you know totally yeah and even like you said like, like about the gags working and stuff like that and like that it wasn't preaching everything the, the the easy thing to do for a comedy where the episode is about two gay men is to make jokes about them being gay. There's no jokes made about them being gay. No, no, no. You know, it was done so tastefully. But yeah, yeah, really, really solid episode. Yeah, getting into some news. Live from London City. Well, a little bit outside of London City. It's Simpsons News. This is the most things I've had in a while. Okay. Um, because I see you've got a page full. Though. Yeah, yeah, because Comic-Con was this week. Okay. Yeah, or this weekend. So there was a Simpsons panel, so they announced a bunch of shit. So let's get into that. So showrunner Matt Selman announced several episodes for season 34. Uh, he said this season, this is the biggest piece of news for what they announced. This season will feature two Treehouse of Horrors. Oh, wow. Yeah. One... So they're finally going to sort of catch up and it will be... The oh, true. In season That's such a good be, point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to make up for the one that they didn't have in season yeah. one. That's a good point. Um, oh, yeah. And then by. That's a so yeah. now season 35, Trios of Horror will be. Like, they fixed their little issue yeah. there, yeah. And the second one in this season will be season 34. 34 Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so... I didn't even think about that. That, that, that is kind of... That's satisfying. But yeah, it'll feature two Trios of Horrors. One regular one. As in, like, you know, three different stories. And one full half-hour segment that will oh, be... Wow. A, yeah, that will be a parody of It featuring Krusty as Pennywise. Maybe, uh, obviously, yeah. yeah. It had to be done. Yeah, yeah, totally. But <laughs> I, I, it had I to be done that. at some point. I'm surprised it hadn't been done yet. I know, honestly, when, yeah. I, when I heard them say that, I was like... Cause the almost of, in your brain, you'd think that yeah. they did it already. Like, the Mandela effect. Because, right, there's, there's 33 seasons. Mm-hmm. It's been a thing for a very long time. And you think of like classic. They they try and like you know parody classic horrors. Mm-hmm. They've so done a bunch of other it is Stephen as King like classic stuff. as it comes. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm surprised. Very surprised. Considering yeah. they have a clown who's one of the main characters. Exactly. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's just that that is such a perfect marriage there. But yeah, and then the regular trials of horror will feature a Death Note parody, which would be fully animated wow. in anime. Uh, by a, an actual Japanese studio. That's that's cool. Yeah, yeah, so I re- different. yeah. I really dig we that. We were talking recently about like them changing up the animation style and how cool that always and is. Yeah, that's going to be good. Yeah. yeah, essentially that they actually handed it over to a studio that specializes in anime. That means it's going to look really solid. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm really excited by that. And the other two are being kept hidden. But um, in one, Matt Selman said that um, they break. We break a rule that we've never broken before. That's all he teased. <laughs> I, I, I like that, yeah. Uh, he, other episodes will see Homer getting caught up in online conspiracy groups, which again just makes perfect sense. Krusty <laughs> uh, becoming a daytime talk show host. Um, he also discussed potential plans to do six episode miniseries for side characters on Disney Plus. 
Uh, he said, whichever character can sustain a six-episode plot, I would love to do um, something creative and funny with. But for now, thinking of episodes for the mid-700s is a lot of work. But uh, there's some discussions being made about doing a potential miniseries. And it, it could go either way, really. It could either be really good or really bad. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, that's the thing, yeah. The, the show has never done a spin-off, which is surprising considering it seems like just how long it's gone on for. It seems like a Disney thing. Yeah, yeah, like that... Disney's idea more so than their idea maybe like, I'm but not, I'm not against it no me neither it, I just know that it's a risky one yeah yeah totally it could be could be cool we have to see I mean there's so many characters which gives them so much to work but so much to work with but that's also almost like a crush because then it's like which character do we do yeah you know yeah it's tricky um, and the final piece of news is that season two of the show Icons on Earth will be a six part series about the Simpsons so Icons on Earth is a new show um that like focuses on, on a different like piece of pop culture every season. So like the last season was about Star Wars. Okay, so, I haven't seen this. No, I haven't either. I, I, I want to watch that first season now though. But the next season will be about the Simpsons. So um, explain this show. It's literally just it's just like I don't know what you call it. It's like, it's like a documentary series, but it's it's, okay. it's in each season is in six parts. So the first season was just was about Star Wars and six episodes about the history of Star Wars and they interview directors and actors and stuff like that. And then season two will focus on Simpsons. I suppose uh, that make. I suppose they're going in order of like. I guess Star Wars is probably the biggest pop culture thing ever. Yeah, yeah. And then it's the Simpsons. They're they're, they're touching on so. gigantic yeah. uh, pop culture properties exactly. But yeah, season two will be will be will be about the Simpsons. It will reveal previously unknown and surprising details about the animated series. It will feature exclusive interviews uh, from writers, directors, actors, and executive producers on the show. Yeah, I mean, that made me very excited. That's a proper thing for, like, you know, real big Simpsons nerds like myself. Like, I mean, I will definitely be mm-hmm. sticking my teeth into that whenever it comes out. But yes, moving on. So, yeah, some loads, loads of really fun pieces of news, news there that made me very excited. But moving on to a the, my impressions. Um, I'm sure you can guess who I chose to do this week. Huh? I'm sure you can guess who I chose to do this week. I could have a guess. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not going to guess. Um... <laughs> I know you've done Mr. Burns before, so it's Smithers. Smithers, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, as, as... Oh, fuck! <laughs> I, I, I thought well done. I got mentioned in this episode as well, and I had a feeling you were going to ask it later. Well done. Okay, <laughs> it looks like you got it right. <laughs> um, very proud. But yes, so four impressions, or sorry, four quotes, and you had to guess who... Um, gotta guess which one is in Smithers. So number one, he's not just my boss, he's my best friend too. Uh, number two, may I suggest a random firing just to throw the fear of God into them? Number three, you are a noble and poetic in defeat, sir. <laughs> number four, um, meltdown is one of those annoying buzzwords. We prefer to call it an unrequested surplus. That's difficult. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say the, the well. fourth one. You're going to say the fourth one? Yeah. You are correct, Yay. yeah. <laughs> that is Mr. Burns. Right, okay. yeah. see, I thought that might be the case. Well done, well done, nice. I'm doing all right this week. Yeah, 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 you're, you're on a roll, kid. But, uh, yeah, jumping into the quivia. <laughs> so, is, yeah, what I previously mentioned, which I guess a bit more detail about that. So the episode was written by writing duo Rob Lazenbick and his son Johnny, who is gay in real life. Uh, while Rob is credited for having written 15 Simpsons episodes before this one, uh, this is Johnny's debut as a Simpsons writer. They refer to the process of writing it as being uh, spectacular and fulfilling, and that their 
um, whatever that word is, is going into it to make a story about. Oh yeah, and that their aim and <laughs> that their aim in going into it was to make a story about characters that uh, just happen to be gay, but the plot itself is not about yeah. that. So yeah. exactly what, we're, what we were talking about. Well, yeah, is Johnny gonna be? in the show now like uh, writing it's hard, hard to say I mean for all I know he's he, he, he could he's still be a good job he did an amazing job yeah I mean he did, he did a spectacular first episode imagine your dad writing on The Simpsons man. I know so yeah cool. Jesus like yeah I mean I, I don't know how long but Rob Lazenby is, is a show I've seen the credits for a long time so I presume probably a writer before he had before he had Johnny yeah um so like yeah, he grew up just like having his dad be writing The Simpsons, and then he got to write an episode. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, obviously he got it purely through nepotism, but he showed that he is actually a very good writer. Yeah. So I, I, I'm rooting for you, Johnny. I, I hope he is going to write more episodes. But yes, as always, we'll wrap it up with a quiz. Um, you've had a bit of a fall from grace. Well, we won't. We'll, we'll wrap it up with Seb's classic. Oh fuck yeah. me sideways! No, that's that's fine. We'll wrap it up with Seb's classic. <laughs> You did watch it, right? I did, I did. I just forgot about the segment. <laughs> I just got so into the shit I had written down. That's <laughs> well, fine. Like the best we usually do it after the news. Yeah, okay, we'll do the quiz and then Seb's class. Yeah. So we'll mix it, it up this week. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll mix it up this week. Um, yeah, so question number one. But yeah, you had a bit of a fall from grace in the last podcast. Yeah. I think it was so three got, out of ten you got. Was it four? God. Yeah, but my, we're still going by your best. Yeah, so five out of ten is still your best. So jumping into it. Number one. Who voices Mona Simpson? I'm not giving you options. Is it A, Merle Streep? Is it B, Glenn Close? Or is it C, Helen Mirren? C. Helen Mirren. I'm afraid it's Glenn Close. Okay. Wow. Uh, number two. What year did the Simpsons movie come out? Oh, 2007. Well done. Yeah, yes. yeah, 2007. I remember because I saw it on my birthday. Oh, yeah, you yeah, told me about my that. Eighth, eighth birthday. Yeah, yeah, I was quite jealous. Not that you were eight in 2007. Um, that your <laughs> lined up with the movie. And we all, went, we all went crazy like every other kid when Bart Simpson's penis. Oh, yeah! <laughs> I totally forgot about that. that On the big like screen. A groundbreaking scene. Absolutely insane in a PG movie. Yeah. Like, they just get away with so much. <laughs> uh, question number three How old is Lisa? Um. Eight. Eight, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Nice, yeah. You just said you were eight there as well, so I was like, yeah. maybe you'd remember from that. Number Bart's f- ten. Yeah, yeah, it's just two years younger. Look at that. Nice, on a roll, kid. Uh, number four, what was the name of Homer's Barbershop Quartet? Oh, we had this one before. We did. Is it something boys? No. Is it a par- Is it like a parody name of a real life? Yeah, it's kind of similar to Eagles, I guess. <laughs> Obviously, what the whole episode is a parody of. Um, they copied their career. The Weasels? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny, too, the though. Pack. No, it, it was the B Sharps. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, number five. Every Beatle has guest stars on the show, except one. Can you tell me who hasn't? Would it. I'm going to take an educated guess and say George Harrison? No. Whoa. No, Sean Lennon. Oh. Why was that your educated guess? Because well, he's the least famous. Because, well, yeah, he's the least famous, and also he's the one that went a bit more off the grid. Mm. And, like... No, George Harrison is in the episode I just mentioned. The oh. B. Sharp's one. He he meets Homer at the Grammys, and... Um, I, I vaguely remember. And Homer's like, oh my god, George Harrison! And George Harrison says something, like, very kind of Beatles-esque, and he's like, oh my god, brownies! <laughs> he just says he's a brownies. I wanted to... I, think, I was thinking about making it Seb's classic one, so... And I know it was Barbershop Quartet. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Eventually, yeah. Such a good episode. 
But yes, moving on. Number six, Milhouse and his parents have a distinctive feature that almost no other Simpsons characters have. What is it? Is it their nose? They're like, it's more like large. I mean, that's a good observation, but it's not what I had in mind. Is it that blue? Blue. No, Marge has blue hair. (laughs) Uh, Is it that their eyebrows? Yes, eyebrows. Eyebrows I was looking for. Nice. And number seven. Name the beverage created by Homer that most stole the idea. I will accept. There's two different names in the episode. I'll accept either one. Don't think I can. Really? Yeah. Damn, you're letting the whole fandom down. <laughs> you sure in that episode? Go on. What the is cough it? Cough syrup? Flaming Mo? Oh yeah. But he calls it a flaming Homer. Yeah. Like, I would have. I would have accepted either or. Okay. Uh, number eight. Surely, name the news anchor. Huh? Name the news anchor. Oh, Ken Brockman. Ken Brockman. Nice. Uh, Fred, this is probably a long shot. Number nine. What's Otto's favorite band? Otto's favourite band. Yeah. ACGC? No, close ish. I mean, mu- uh, music people might kill me for saying that that's close. Guess. Yeah. Um, is it. Music fans might kill me for saying that that's close. Um, I would consider them. Van Halen? No. Okay, what is it? Metallica. Okay. Metallica rules! Um, and finally, what is Smithers' first name? Wait a minute. <laughs> nice. Yes. You want to know what you got? Go on. Five out of ten. No. <laughs> I felt like I got more. You got five out of ten. Your 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 golden number. I mean, you you went up from last week, so you know. Look, yeah. Look at the bright side. I felt like I got more then. Let me see. Let me just double check. You got Mona being Mona's voice wrong. You got the year right, the movie came out, you got Lisa's age right, you didn't get the band's name, you didn't get the Beatle thing, you got Millhouse's pair, you got the Millhouse question, uh, name the beverage, you didn't get that, you got Kent Brockman, you didn't get all his favorite band, you got Spinners, no, you only got five. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Uh, yeah, okay, let's, let's, we're mixing it up this week, very experimental, we're concluding with Steph's Classics. Yes. Honestly, I, I sort of forgot about this episode. This is one of those episodes that I always forget about. And But you then you watch it and you're like, oh, this is fantastic. I watched it because I was I was going through it in order. It's yeah. like not too long ago. And yeah, first episode of season nine, yes. Homer Simpson versus New York City. Mm-hmm. And, Great episode. Oh my God. It's so, so wacky. So wacky, so, but also frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, like, when he's in New York, it felt like a sort of, like, different universe. I, I love, love that bit where it's, like, before they actually, the whole family goes, but it's, like, the flashback. And all his stuff gets stolen. It's like a Woody Allen movie. You know, all his stuff gets, like, stolen. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's so good. <laughs> and, um... It's like, and, 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 and this one guy got really mad at me. I, I, I must have looked in the wrong way or something. And what he actually did was throw a banana peel at the yeah. guy. And like, I started running for my life. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's kind of strange. I'm not sure if other people made this mm. comparison, but it kind of reminded me a bit of Midnight Cowboy. I've never seen it. You should. Yeah, I mean, I, def- I definitely should. Yeah. Um, the, the way they presented New York in that with like a guy who's really um, like deluded and out of touch. Yeah, and, yeah. Like it sort of reminded me of that in a way. That's interesting uh, because one thing that one thing that definitely struck me about this episode always, like not not just in watching it for this podcast, um, was that like it's the only thing I I could think of like New York isn't depicted in a very flattering light. 
Because we see from Homer's perspective, from Homer's perspective, New York sucks. You know what I mean? Which is quite refreshing because it's usually made yeah. out to be like this amazing city that everyone wants to go to. And Homer just he wants it out there as quickly as possible. And you really feel from this episode like the situation he's in is so oh, stressful. Yeah. Like it's actually agonizingly stressful watching it. I, I love <laughs> when he has the clamp on his car and oh he just God. he just drives it. Oh, it's, like, it, it's uh, so aggravating <laughs> to watch. But you're right there with him. Like, you would, in that same situation, probably flip out and do that as well. It's very, like, the tempo on this episode as well is really fast. It's, <laughs> it's really, oh, yeah, it's quick. They've probably yeah. done that purposely because we're in New York. Yeah, yeah, it's like hustle and bustle. Yeah, yeah. very true. Um, and I just think it was so funny. So funny. Like, there, there was no Conquilage. scene that wasn't funny. No, it's no. Just... Guy can be in the best way yeah. possible, yeah. Conquilage. <laughs> he's getting the food and oh, he's that's like so got, good you got anything yeah. to drink he's no like, only gogolage <laughs> no he's like we we have uh, crab, crab juice, juice. mutton juice and crab juice like, oh, I'll take the crab juice <laughs> but then he's like you got a bad room there oh only gogolage <laughs> he tries to go to the mailbox he's just walking over like do, 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 do. Do I wonder what's over here and the mailman's like hey I'm watching you buddy <laughs> trying to urinate into the mailbox Obviously, the episode is definitely a staple of its time in that the World Trade Center has a pretty big role in the episode. Oh, yeah. And I hadn't seen it since all the memes came out being like, The Simpsons pre-9-11. What a stupid fucking conspiracy oh, theory. Yeah. Because it's in the episode, they predict 9-11. Yeah, it's not like the, the, t- <laughs> the twin ch- towers get shot down. It, nothing happens. It's it, just in the episode. Because it was the twin a very... towers were in a lot of things. Yeah, because it was a, an iconic yeah. building. Like, it's like, it's so like if we, stupid. God forbid, the Empire State Building... Yeah, such wood. You could literally say any film of the Empire yeah, State Building. Every Woody Allen, every Martin Scorsese yeah. movie that they they predicted it. Yeah, but um, that great sequence of him trying to go to the bathroom goes all the way to the top of the tower, and it's just a sign saying you "Use Tower Two Bathroom." Goes all the way up to that one, and just uh, again, you just, I really feel for him this whole episode when he's going, "Oh yeah," <laughs> he really had to pee, and then he sees. The guy putting the ticket, and probably the most iconic doe I can think of in the whole show. Uh-huh. When he says doe and it's coming out of the tower, and like the birds are flying away and stuff, it's so great. <laughs> yeah, and I, I also love it's kind of like um, it's balanced quite nicely because that is a funny story, but it's also it's, it's like this the, the SpongeBob episode on the bus. It's that, I, I think that, I it's that same this, level yeah. of like it's entertaining, but it's kind of stressful. And, and you're, it's you're just, right there it's with just the character. Problem after problem. After, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, it's balanced out nicely then with Marriage Lisa and Bart's side story, where they're just having a great time. <laughs> there's, there's no conflict in theirs whatsoever. They're just having a lovely time in New York. And it has the the great musical I totally forgot about. Yeah. The Betty Ford Center. That was good. I'm checking in. Did you know who that guy was? That was, again, like a staple of its time. The, 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 the main characters singing that song check into rehab is, is Rob Downey Jr. Oh, okay. Yeah. I actually... I, For some I, reason, I was thinking I thought it was they named him. It was definitely Rob Downey Jr. I thought they named him, but they actually didn't. But they're being subtle about it. But, like, he mentioned, they mentioned, like, him breaking into... <laughs> breaking into um, a family home and stuff like that. But that was all stuff that Rob Downey Jr. did while he was inebriated. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's 100% a reference to Rob Downey Jr. There's loads of great quotes in that scene as well where Mary is like... I always dreamed of some some way being in a Broadway audience. <laughs> it's just so sad. And then Bart's like, when I grow up, I want to go to the Betty Ford Center. <laughs> I'm just like, you better start saving up. <laughs> it's really expensive. It also reminded me of something I totally forgot about. This is not related to Simpsons at all. Um, but 
I, back in Cork, the last place I lived in Cork before I moved here, I lived with this Italian guy who, I'm going to be honest because I know he's not listening to this podcast and he's not a part of my life anymore. He was a douchebag of a man. Yeah. He was, have I told you about him before? No. No, okay. I, I, I live with a, an Italian man in his 40s. Last year I lived in Cork, and he was, was not a, he was not a pleasant dude. <laughs> I'll say that much. He was he was tough to live with. But on my, I will admit, during that period, I was the closest I had ever been to being an alcoholic. Like I was drinking a lot. It was the second lockdown, and I was like getting a bottle of gin probably like twice a week. <laughs> um, but on my birthday, he got me a T-shirt for the Betty Ford Clinic. <laughs> Do you know him that well? No. It was, it was, no, I did not. And it was, I didn't click to what the joke meant until a little later. I was like, oh, funny, but kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, no, I didn't know him well at all. I, I, I didn't, he didn't want me to let him in. I, I, I didn't let him in either. Like, we, we didn't click. Like, um, But yeah, it just reminded me of that. And I was like, oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> regardless, um, very, very fun episode. Very good for me. Solid start to season 9. 9.5. 9.5? 9.5. Season 9, 9.5. Yeah. Yeah, I think 9.5 as well. That's not a perfect 10, but it's a really, it's really good episode. Yeah, really yeah, it's really, really solid. Definitely uh, in my top 50, maybe 30. Yeah, I would definitely say top 50 for me, definitely. Yeah, yeah, this is a super fun episode. It's quite different as well. Like, you know, how you talk yeah. about, like, episodes that are, like, a classic Simpsons. It has a different feel to it, but in a good way. Because it's not in you Springfield. I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah, even talking about Homer, I mean, he does have some parts in the episode where he's, like, goofy stupid homer but for the most part he's quite serious and angry you know he's, oh, he's, yeah, he's not the typical homer that you love he's driving back in this the smash car over the bridge and he looks really angry and and, and the garage truck is blowing yeah. blowing trash right into his face because the the front he's of the blowing, car is yeah. broken yeah he's so we feel for him like yeah and lisa's like can we go to new york next year and he's like we'll see honey we'll see and then frank sinatra starts playing which is yeah. which is a perfect choice of music <laughs> um yeah yeah just a great episode need we say anymore and we are about to wrap it up in a perfect 50 minutes about yeah we, we, we just so we'll just wait we'll just wait to get to 10 seconds yeah why not guys thank you all as always for listening and i want to have Bye. your babies Bye.